My name is Carl Johnson. I am Joe Average for all Friday purposes, but I'm a millionaire. My wife and I are millionaires. We're multi-millionaires. I don't drive a nice car. I live in a nice house, but it's nothing compared to some of the houses these people live in. I have some land. Our cars are pretty old. I have one a pickup truck. I do have a Rolex watch. It was something that I wanted, and I got it when I had a, a good deal. I had a deal go through, and I rewarded myself. Welcome to episode eight. My name is Carl Johnson. I'm with the uh, Joe Average Millionaire. Um, I did just two last week, and it was episode seven. We talked about saving at least 30% of your income for uh, 30% of your income. And the other one was number 16. That was 15. And number 16 was the government wants you to take every available tax deduction. Okay, I got to the next one. And I think I had to spend a little more time than I felt comfortable. And I'm trying to keep these podcasts to 10 to 12 minutes. That's where it seems to be sitting. So number 17 now is understand your debt and its risks. This is very, very important. When you take on debt, you're indebting yourself, obviously, to somebody else. And you're promising to pay that off. Um. But I don't, well, most you people will have to learn to understand what debt and its risks are. And the reason this is going to take a little bit longer is because I have a few examples that I have seen where I, people have tried to explain debt in a certain ways. So let's take a look at, say, Dave Ramsey. He feels that all debt is bad debt and you need to live on cash. And then there's... Uh, Kiyosaki, he talks about there's two types of debt, good debt and bad debt. Uh, Dave Ramsey has a very simplistic way of doing things. He's pretty much trying to get people even and out of debt. Uh, if I followed Dave Ramsey, I would not be wealthy in the way that I am now. I had to take on debt to purchase apartments. I could have bought a few houses, but nothing like the apartments. And see, the reason Dave Ramsey got in trouble with debt was he went out and overextended himself. And then when times went bad, he ended up losing. Of course, the other one is um, Robert Kiyosaki who says there's good debt and bad debt. And one of the difference between good debt and bad debt is good debt is is debt that you take on when you buy an asset that produces cash flow. And somebody else, it makes it even better, is if somebody else is paying for it. So like taking on a debt when you uh, have a business, you may be the person that pays for it, your cash flow pays for it. Or let's say in the real estate for apartments or houses, that good debt, you take on the debt and somebody else rents and they pay for the rental they pay off the debt. So it's not your personal cash flow that's taking it or what's left over. It's business or, or apartment uh, rents that pay for your pay for or that service the debt. But those two are kind of nice, good debt and bad debt. I heard of a third one. I don't know who it was. And he said, all debt, all debt is the same. It just has different levels of risk. And I seem to like that one the best. The reason is, is that 
Yes, if you buy an apartment or a house and you take on debt, there's a level of risk involved. What if the people move out? What if the place burns down? What if what if things change, the, the economy changes and you can't service that debt anymore? Uh, and then there's debt. And so there's the risk of that. But then there's the risk of I don't have a very high income and I go out and I buy myself a $150,000 car and I can't afford with my income to pay that car off, especially if I lose my job. So there's that kind of debt. That debt under Kiyosaki would be considered bad debt because you're purchasing doodads, doodads and it's paying off and you're paying it off with your own money. As opposed to uh, um, the other type of debt that's available to you is the, uh, the debt has, has less risk because you're using it to buy apartments and houses. Yes, I heard from a person who was a big person, a person who was in the apartment industry who said, people talk about that, about debt. And he said, listen, I can't stop if the, if the economy is going to crash tomorrow and lose all my money, but that's never happened. And if it did, we got way more things to worry about than losing an apartment or losing and then if you get into the apartment industry, there's different types of loans, which have different levels of risk. And I, I can't get into that right now. But the fact of the matter is not all debt. There's, there's, there's all debt is bad version, which I think is, is, is too simplistic. Good debt and bad debt, which I think is fine. I think that's very good. At least it lets you decide which debt is good and which debt is bad. Uh, in the in the sense that, do I really need this, or does this debt help me increase my my net worth? And the next question is uh, that adds to it is not whether there's good or bad debt, but what's the risk involved in the debt? So how much risk do I take on? Will I be caught holding the bag if I have that debt? Remember what I told earlier: it's better to loan money than it is to borrow money. But in the other case, you still have to use other people's money, bank money, OPM, I've heard it called. There was a movie years out called OPM with Danny DeVito. I never saw the movie or I haven't saw it so long ago, I don't remember. But then there's using, using the leverage, it's leveraging money. See, if you can leverage money, there's free money out there right now. You know, when the if the if they're giving money's being given out at, at two or three percent to buy a house, maybe that's a good reason to buy it. A buy that's a, not a good reason to buy, but it's another reason because there's less risk because of the lower interest rate. Part of the two thousand and eight crash that happened with the housing crash was they had five year, I think it was a balloon payments, or something like that. But anyway, what ended up happening was people were buying houses and they were getting really low loan rates at 2 and 3% and 4%, 3% or 1%. I don't know what those amounts were, but they were at four, at five years in, what happened was those rates went up to 3, 4, 5%. So if you have a 2% interest rate and at year five, it goes up to from 2% to 6%, your payment for interest rate triples. And if you have a house payment, 99, 95% of your house payment is your interest payment. 
So you think about all of a sudden that if you had a $1,500 a month payment and nine, and let's say 900 of it was, was interest, you could potentially go from $900 to $2,700 a month in interest payments, which had wiped, which wiped most people out. The reasoning that people were buying these, getting these loans was because statistically the average person, there's two things, housing prices were going up very, very fast. So you could buy these houses, make money, and then turn around and sell them. And the other reason was is that the statistically speaking, the average homeowner only stays in their house for about four years. So the idea was that you bought your house at this low rate, and before the rate hike kicked in, you were probably going to sell your house. And if not, you were going to refinance it anyway and refinance to get another rate or a lower rate. But what happened was when the bottom fell out of the 2008 crash, all of a sudden the bank stopped loaning money. So these people had rates that were locked in and they doubled and tripled and their rates went up and they just walked away from their homes. So the problem was when you do get a loan, you have to think, what is the risk in the future for that loan, right? What is the risk that I'm not going to be able to pay it, whether I lose my job or the interest rate possibly goes up so high that I can't afford to pay it? So that's why people walked away from the houses. And there were just, I recall there were, here in the Texas area, I was driving through Arlington, Texas, and it was back in 2012. I think about every third or fourth house, This I just remember this, had a, had a white piece, eight and a half by 11 piece of paper in the front window that said it was foreclosed on. It was empty. And then at some point, what was interesting, when things turned around, I remember the day the market changed on houses because I remember there were people like, I will never buy another house again. I'm never putting money into houses. And then uh, Warren Buffett, the Oracle of Omaha, came on and he said, listen, I don't know how I would do it, but if I was able to manage all those houses, I would buy every single house that I could get my hands on. And that was the day the market changed. Remember, there that's the one thing, and I think I talked about this a little earlier. Isn't it amazing how when there's a certain person who is listened to, they can move the market? And that was what Warren Buffett did. He, but what was interesting about his statement, he says, I don't know how to manage them, but if I could figure that out, I would buy every house that I could get my hands on. Now, I don't know if people figured out how to manage them, but I remember all of a sudden, all these hedge funds started up that were buying up houses left, right, and center. I mean, there were people that were buying. I remember a person who worked for a fund that they were buying houses and they were going to the Tarrant County uh, uh, up, up by the courthouse and they were buying every single house they could get their hands on because they'd raised money and they didn't even look it up on Google Maps. A guy one time looked on Google Maps and he saw a house that had been burned down or something had happened. It was not even worth $30,000 and they paid seventy five dollars for it. And the reason was is because they felt that if they buy 10, 15, 100 houses, it all averages out anyway. So people were paying double the amount on some of these houses that they could. 
and they didn't care. And part of the reason is, is because when you're using somebody else's money, it doesn't seem to have as much of an effect on you. So you got to be very careful when loaning your money to some of these funds and understand exactly what they're doing. Remember what I said in episode two was understand your financial instruments. There's so many of them. You got to be sophisticated, understand what they're doing with your money. If not, then why would you play in that game? But anyway, let me digress back and take a look. We just talked about one thing, and that was understanding debt and its risks. So that's so important. Okay? So understand debt and its risks. Okay? We'll talk to you next time. Talk to you later.